It's 8 a.m. It's 8 a.m. Good morning. What's up? This is Joe. This is Jordan. Damn shift. shift. That was almost in sync. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's up, dude? I didn't vote today. What is wrong with I'm you? I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Have course, we been uh, lying to the shifters? <laughs> of course I voted today. Uh, who'd you vote for? <laughs> Give me the deets. No, I'm just kidding. You know that's a question you can't ask. Uh, well... You can ask it. Depends on uh, what I feel like dispersing to the public. Uh, so, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, on this election season, Jordan? Well, I think the number one thing on my mind right now is the amount of uh, scanners that went down throughout New York City. <laughs> <laughs> and how... <clears throat> coincidental it was on such an important midterm election that all these scanners went down. Just happened to go down, man. You know, sometimes um, <laughs> sometimes the scanners just got to go down. You know, I envision like this Boywalk Empire-esque uh, like uh, conspiracy where like, you know, the the Republican Party of Atlantic City is just like, we need to find a way to, <laughs> to undo everything. And then like Nucky Thompson is just like, I have an idea. We got to get them in the scanners. We get the scanners, right? And so suddenly, and, and suddenly, uh, you know, there's more alcohol flowing through uh, Prohibition era Atlantic City, and for some reason, uh, the, the ballots just aren't being cast properly, or they're, end, or ending, up, they're ending, up, ending up in the ocean somewhere. <laughs> um, so if you are on the Board of Elections in New York City, please don't let that happen. <laughs> please don't let that happen. Uh, we want our votes to count. Let me ask you this, Joe. You, you inserted your ballot into the scanner, and it right. was counted. See, At least I hope it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing it on my lunch break. The thing could have been down, and I just ran out of it. <laughs> well, mine's actually didn't go through the scanner. Like, Oh, it didn't? Yeah, there was someone that said to me, like, oh, just drop it in here. And then I was just like... Oh, uh, boy. What? Did they, like, make you... They were, like, you know, like... <laughs> Three white guys ahead of you. They were like, "Go into this room." <laughs> and they saw you, and they were like, "Send them to that scanner." <laughs> well, I think there were three white people ahead of me, but no, nah, there wasn't. <laughs> Where uh, where's your uh, your uh, polling uh, facility? It's in Queens. It's in it's in. I know it's in Queens. <laughs> oh, it's in the uh, it's in my it's the el- in the elementary school that I uh, attended when I was younger. Ah, yeah. So every now and then I'll bump into teachers that I might have seen. Mine is in my uh, my old junior high. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's like every time I had a vote, it's kind of cool because I go in there and it's like, uh, let me see what they've done to the place. <laughs> it kind of still looks the same, but there was like a a garden in the middle of the building, like it was kind of cool, like this courtyardy thing. Right, and right. They've been keeping that up, and the library looks cool too. It's like they got this like wood facade. That's I don't know. I digress. I mean, <laughs> no, that's really interesting because like yeah. I we vote in the gymnasium, and that shit looks exactly as it did when I was like. Probably less than half my age now. <laughs> I mean, we vote in the gymnasium too, and it looks exactly the same. <laughs> what I'd be interested in is to see if the uh, like the bathroom, shower room area looked the same because I remember it being real like 
beat up when I was young. And I'm, I'm like, I'm hoping <laughs> for the youth that they fixed that at some point. Yeah, and Lord knows, like, whether you were in junior high school or elementary school, you'd not want to fucking shower in, in there. No, man. It was like, <laughs> we always, like, fought not to. And there was just, like, a bunch of stinky junior high boys running around right, in right. green shorts. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess... So yeah, midterm elections. I ran. I saw. Well, when when I first went to the polling, or the the voting area, right? Uh, and they announced that there was only one working scanner. As I was exiting, I ran into uh, or I saw Paul Valone, who you may remember from, as mentioned in the uh, Paul Provolone episode. Um, <laughs> good good friend to the eight AM shift. Paul Provolone. And you know how I knew it was Paul Valone? Because he had a jacket that says council member Paul Valone on <laughs> like he had his own custom jacket. And it was kinda cool. Like I'm like, I didn't realize like council members have like this kind of like 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 this this wear, this fashion, this council member wear that only one of them does, Joe, and only one of them. <laughs> um but um yeah, so I ended up leaving and then coming back and I voted for exactly who you think I should have voted for, and I'm pretty sure you did the same. Chaz Palminteri was on the uh, ballot. Yeah, he was. He was the write-in. He was the write-in because you know I, I saw the all the I saw the names of the governors, and I was like, mm, am I really wrong putting Chaz's name on this? If anybody's gonna look out for New York, <laughs> know, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I mean. It's funny because, like, we're in, like, a no-frills state, right? Like, we know pretty much who's going to be winning these midterm elections. But Texas, on the other hand, is, I mean, I guess, <laughs> you know, we're hoping that that one may, you know, that Beto's got a chance over there. But Yeah, yeah. I, don't know, I saw a funny... Um, so if I haven't mentioned this on the podcast, I'm like a uh, like my my Achilles heel is like stupid comedies and like like mostly in movies, but like one, I love triumph triumph the insult comedy. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> so he uh, um, Colbert actually had him on loan from uh, from Conan O'Brien, and uh, so he went over to Texas and he did like this whole thing with Ted Cruz, and it was hysterical, man. Like had me in tears. I'll, I'll maybe I'll uh, I'll link it on the. Um or maybe it might it might have been linked on uh, or on the, our Facebook page. I don't remember, but if it's not, I'll, I'll put it up there for the most shift. importantly. Go to our Facebook page and follow Eight AM Shift for the best in political humor, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. But follow it's mostly us. movie stuff. <laughs> it's mostly movie stuff. But speaking of Texas <laughs> and movies and humor and things of that nature. There's a lot of outlaw shit happening. Yeah, it's a bit, it feels like a big uh, <laughs> a big outlaw time. Yeah, man. We've got uh, Mayans. Like a, like a red wave. <laughs> I don't know how the color red is associated with outlaws, but... I think that's just... Red Dead Redemption too, which is the if you if you're if you've been living under a rock, the uh, epic video game made by Rockstar that has now like just crushed in sales. It's like so I was reading an article where um, Red Dead Redemption two has the best 
second best three-day opening ever only behind and this is like out of any kind of like media so like movies like you know album sales second behind grand theft auto 5 which is another rock star exactly. property but it had the best weekend ever and there was something like 700 and like 25 million copies sold uh in the first three days which is like if you think about it, insane. Yeah. Or I said, I guess not copies, but like 725 million in sales. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which yeah. is nuts too. Yeah. I think um, this is one of those examples where, well, people in the gaming industry know the power of this type of game. Right. Um, I don't know if in terms of pop culture or like general pop culture, I don't know of how widespread it was. Um, amongst people that didn't play video games. Like, I don't, it's I, like, you know, my parents probably have heard of it. They probably are more familiar with like Grand Theft Auto. Right. I mean, well, cause that, that's their, like, that's what made Rockstar. Right. Though. Right. And they definitely know what Mortal Kombat is. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a movie. That's how my dad looks. It was like a really awful movie in his mind. I mean, you're wrong, dad. It was a fantastic movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. What are you talking about? <laughs> But I think Red, Red Dead Redemption. So there's a first. Uh, let me clear. Red Dead Redemption Two is actually the third installment in the series. Yes, and it's a, a prequel, right? Don't. It's a prequel. It's a prequel to the last one, Red Dead Redemption. But the first one was Red Dead Revolver, which was more of a linear story. Like so, the the two that have come out now, Red Dead Redemption Two, the being the newest, and then Red Dead Redemption. Those were like open world. Yep. Which is similar to like the Grand Theft Auto yep. stuff. We can kind of you have missions. But you can do all these side missions, kind of go and explore the world as you want. Red Dead Revolver was more like linear story. Like right. You follow the story, you go. And it, I remember playing it and really liking it. My brother and I were like hyped for Red Dead Revolver because like we love Westerns and we were like, Western game coming out. Like we have to get it. So like we were like really hyped. And it ended up being like good, but you know, and it, you know, it spawned this epic <laughs> franchise. No, a- absolutely. And I think. So I guess connecting that to other to several other talk, talking points. So one thing that came to mind was that now was great timing for it to come out. One, Westworld. Oh yeah. You know, like Westworld. Even though the the direction that the actual show has taken, <laughs> this is funny. I'm mentioning this too because like the direction the show has taken is a little bit more uh, philosophical, if you will. It's true though. You know. Yeah. What I think is funny is that if you were to actually try to put this into a like a vacuum, if right. you will, you some might actually argue that video games like Red Dead Redemption would kind of might, might actually spawn spawn or inspire people, excuse me, inspire people to want to actually make a real life Westworld, if you will. Now, now that's just wishful thinking. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, the closest we'll get is right now is like an Oculus experience where, you know, like you know, you are the you you are the the guy with the what was what was like Ed is Ed Harris the Man in Black the Man Ed in Harris. Black yeah you are I the can man see in you in the uh, black hat you know <laughs> uh, yeah no I mean maybe yeah I feel like I mean listen if Red Dead if the success of Red Dead Redemption two means like we're gonna have this comeback of the Western. Yeah, outside of a, a real Westworld being created, <laughs> uh, I'd be a happy camper, man. I, I grew up loving Western, so that'd be cool. But I think, you know, the 
the Western element being one thing, the outlaw theme, I think is very, is something that's sort of like permeated in our culture right now. Like, right. And in addition to that, you have the Deadwood revival. That's right. Which <laughs> I can't wait for. It's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah. But think about it this way. You have HBO with, with, with both Westworld and Deadwood. Um, FX has Mayans, which we'll connect to that. We'll connect that a little bit later in this conversation. <laughs> okay. Right. But you know, this is all predicated on kind of like this, like, like American outlawism. And I know we've talked about this a lot on the show, but I think right now we're really kind of diving into like the actual history and I guess like the real, like, like nitty gritty of like why this is so embedded in our culture, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's it's interesting, but I feel like it's something that it's funny. Like I'm saying, like now, it's I'm saying it almost like it was a new thing, but it's kind of not, you know. Like the so the Americans' sort of obsession with outlaws and like that world has kind of always been a thing, right? And right. that's I think that's why you know. You saw it so much in movies, and you see it, and even even you know, way back when, when like you know, the good guy always had a win. I still feel like right. the outlaw was still like the most popular, you know, the most famous guy in the movie. So I read this academic article. All right. Yeah, I actually re- read people. Look at you. I know, I know. shifters. <laughs> I read, um, and it was it's called the outlaw: colon a distinctive American folk type, and it's written by this guy. <laughs> excuse me. Probably a professor, Richard E. Meyer. <laughs> it's like it's, it's written by this dude. It's just some just some guy, you know. Um, <laughs> and it came out in 1980, actually, in the Journal of the Folklore Institute. And I'm citing this because I'm trying to be as academically proper as possible. Right. But I mean, you get the idea. You could probably Google this. Your college it. professors are not going to hunt you down. <laughs> and in this academic article. He breaks down these 12 common traits you hear about in outlaw folklore. Right. Right. And, you know, like you, you're, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, what is it like, you know, what is the obsession? Like, there's always like that kind of like feeling, that kind of like connection that people always have with it. Right. And he, he kind of like broke it down by these 12 traits. Right. One is that this person is usually like a man or woman of the people. Right. Right. Two like he or she is forced into extreme provocation by an oppressive system. Right. Which is probably the most interesting point I can think of. Right. Um, The third is that this person is usually like a Robin Hood, steals from the rich, gives to the poor. Which is like, great example. Great example. There's a huge asterisk next to that one though. Um, This person is pious and righteous. They're audacious and stupendous. Think like a Errol Flynn type that's always doing these things like, you know, in an action-packed circumstances, Mm -hmm. right? Um, He or she always outwits their oppressors, right? The people usually support this individual. Authorities cannot stop the outlaw through average or conventional methods. The outlaw is usually betrayed by a friend or someone close within their circle, right? The outlaw's death usually causes great mourning. In some capacity, the outlaw is also able to live on, right? 
And then lastly, the outlaw's actions aren't always viewed or looked on, looked at as favorable looking back. Right. Right. So those are like, I guess, like the 12 principles of uh, being a uh, American outlaw, right. if you will. Right. And as I'm reading this, I'm like, these are very much the same elements of a Greek tragedy, no? Yeah. I mean, well, what can I, just to take it back, what was the asterisk for Robin Hood? Like, why... I think the Robin Hood element is uh, part of the romanticization. Right. Robin Hood as like a a folklore as as a folk hero. You know, is probably one of the the great archetypes, like like globally. Right. Right. But that archetype came at a time when you can simplify that type of oppression and what this guy, what this individual is trying to do. Right. Right. And I put that asterisk there as well, because in the same, in the same article, they mentioned four particular, like more modern names that are associated with like the outlaw folk hero. Right. Those names were Jesse James, pretty boy Floyd, Sam Bass. I don't know if it's a bass or bass. I don't know. (laughs) Should have looked that one up. And Billy the kid. Right. It's never, been clear whether those individuals actually did Robin Hood esque things. Yeah, they probably didn't. <laughs> yeah, right? they, they were they were on they were they were on wanted posters. Right, but I mean, so was Robin Hood. But the thing is, is uh, these figures were all sort of s- symbols of their time, right? So, like Robin right, Hood, right. it was like. You know, he's going up against the oppression, you know, the kings who are oppressing the little people and he's stealing and giving back to them. But after over time, that giving back element was able to be dropped. If you look at, um, you know, you know the, the godfather, right? To Italians, right? These are, you know, people who came to this country were oppressed and found a way to game the system, sort of give back to themselves, give back to their families, <laughs> some of their community. And, you know, and then prosper within this, like, land that was supposed trying to beat them down, right? So it's, like, all so- kind of the same story. Just, you know, I feel like certain elements were able to be, you know, brushed to the side as, as society didn't deem them necessary anymore. So it's like Errol Flynn playing Robin Hood always had to be the good guy because, like, you know, the, uh, you know, that every Hollywood movie had to have the good guy win. Like this, it was just like, right, right. that's the way it had to be or else you couldn't make the movie. Right. Well, I think what's also interesting too is that when you go down that list of names, right? Like Jesse James, Free Boy Floyd, you'll notice certain things about them, right? One, these are all white men, mm-hmm. right? All of whom in their respective time would be considered like honorable in a way. <sighs> But they managed to capture the attention. I mean, honorable, honorable amongst their <laughs> exactly. They're honorable, honorable maybe amongst thieves, right? Right, right. Not amongst like I don't know the FBI, <laughs> the rest of society. Yeah, right. Um, the actual details of the noble things they've done, and this is part of that asterisk I was talking about earlier, right. um, and their lawlessness has come under a bit of scrutiny, like. Did Jesse James really give back to the poor? Probably not. Did Pretty right. Boy Floyd do that? Probably not. Uh, Billy Kid, Probably not. Right. Um, and the third thing that I noticed, probably with the exception of Pretty Boy Floyd, was that um, like Jesse James, Sam Bass, and Billy the Kid, they operated around the late 1800s, which would probably be in the same time frame as Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, yeah. Right. 
Floyd was a little bit closer to the machine gun funk slash prohibitionary gangster. Right. So his name is up there with the John Dillingers and Bonnie and Clyde's, if you right. will. And if you look at it, I believe the year he they um they all died, like John Dillinger, Clyde, and Pretty Boy Floyd. I think the year was 1934, which is kind of interesting that, you know, like this, I mean, mind you, this is the era when J. Edgar Hoover was starting to like, you know, crack down, you know, crack down yeah. and really like, you know, make his, you know, cut his teeth as like a, as a fed, right. you know? So I don't know. I find it interesting that there's kind of like this revisionist history of what these people really were. Right. right. Because like Lord knows, like they did some bad things. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people getting killed. Because of these guys. Right. And I think that's what I'm trying to like sift through here. Right. I think that's what's been on my mind <laughs> since 2016. <laughs> it's all, all going, all coming back. Full it's circle. all coming back. Was that, why do we have this revisionist history of what essentially are like these white male terrorists? Ooh. Right. And I started thinking about what, what, what other revisionist history has been kind of filtered out through the media and also some of that revisionist history when it comes to like Red Dead Redemption. Right. But the question is, is <laughs> so Hollywood, right, taking these stories, right, and changing them to fit a certain mold is one thing uh, because, you know, they're storytellers and they have to entertain, right? And the story's more entertaining, you know, if with the, you know, the bad guy story is more entertaining. Like, let's be for real. Um, but, like, is this revisionist history through Hollywood or media? Uh, was this, like, motivated, like, by something else? Agenda. <laughs> well, hashtag Illuminati. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a good question, and I don't... Well, that's... I, my, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm asking, like, is that is that a point you're trying to make? Like, is this revisionist history coming from sort of, you know, outside sources, meaning sources outside of Hollywood that have, like, sort of pushed them to, to create this, this new history? Or well, I think has it just come... Because Hollywood was like, we want to entertain. And then everyone else was like, yeah, go ahead, do that. <laughs> you, know? you know, as weird as it sounds, I think there's a level of white guilt. And I'll, get, and I'll bring up the Explain. point. Explain. I think I'll give you the example of Red Dead Redemption 2. Okay. Um, you can kill the clan in Red Dead Redemption 2. And, you not, can, lose, and not lose any. And, yeah. and honor, honor points. You lose, <laughs> exactly. no, you lose no honor points. Right? That's pretty great. But I, I see what you're talking about. Right. And... Let's and let's 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 dive into the history a little bit too. The clan wasn't like you know we know the clan now for being anti-Semitic. Right. Obviously they're they're fucking racist. They don't like immigrants. But you know back then they were even pretty discriminatory against other European immigrants. Yeah, they didn't like Irish, Italians. They didn't. What? <laughs> I watched Black Klansmen. <laughs> you need to go back and watch again, Jordan. <laughs> Um, yes, but, but they discriminated not on, even amongst um, white folk. <laughs> yeah. And so now did Rockstar need to include that in there? Probably not. 
But I think, I guess it's in there. Listen, I guess, yes, they didn't have to include it, but like it's, I guess it's kind of like some of the arguments I make with some of Tarantino stuff where like if you're doing something in this time period, like it's, and you're trying to like stay as true to the time period as possible, how do you exclude it? But then I've also seen other things in the game where I'm like, this would have been here. So, like, you know, how much of that is bullshit, I don't know. <laughs> but to answer your question, no, they didn't have to include it. Right. But I think, like, that's part of, like, what we're seeing now is that... So I am I think I'm making the positive that the American obsession with... Or American America's obsession with outlaws, um, in particular white male antiheroes... I think that's now slowly like people are just kind of opening their eyes to it as to like what we've kind of created in the last like hundred and something years. Right. Right. Like Jesse James was probably really a terrorist if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was a train robber technically, but I mean, how you define someone that's wanted by... He terrorized. <laughs> Let's say that much. <laughs> um, you know, pretty, pretty boy Floyd. Right. You know, John Dillinger, these guys. Babyface Nelson. Babyface Nelson, right? <laughs> all, these, all these individuals were wanted by the FBI at the time, right. you know? And so I feel like right now, whether it's media or in video games, right, there's a level of, like, kind of people, like, opening their eyes to this. And, like, because of the, the I guess, the parameters, if you will, still don't lend themselves yet to, you know, doing something that would completely, like, shift the paradigm, if right. you will. I think right now you're starting to see people like be like, you know what? We did like X amount of years of all this. You know what I mean? Like what, what does it look like moving forward? Right. You know, but it's funny. So <laughs> it's why I'm just like thinking like as we're talking about it and it's like, and please feel free to play devil's advocate. Joe. <laughs> no, because I'm just thinking about like, because like, you know, most people would say Robin Hood is a good guy and everyone else you've named is a bad guy, right? Um, but is it just the fact that he, like, let's say Robin Hood did give to the poor, but he also like killed a bunch of people while he did it, right? What, you know, was it just that one act that like makes him a good guy? Like the fact that he threw, you know through a bone to some poor people like it's just um it's weird it's sort of weird how we look at things and how like one well that's the revision one history, degree right? can like change something completely you know right that's saying? the revisionist history though right. right like i mean it's funny because like i feel like the conversation is going from was Jesse James a good guy to was Robin Hood really a good guy? Well, I mean, it's not even just that. Like, so then, like, you're saying, like, well, well, you know, Robin Hood was fighting the oppressors, right? But like, was Jesse James right? Like, we don't know. Nobody was there firsthand, right? Like, most right, of us, right. Most of us don't know what actually happens, huh? right? Just saying. So, Red Dead Redemption two. It's fun. <laughs> Are you feeling kind of weird about it now? You're like, man. No, not really. <laughs> it's funny because obviously the game is like predicated on like you being this like outlaw, but you can, and like you mentioned before with like the honor points and stuff, like you can choose to be good or choose to be bad. Now you still have to do like outlaw things, right? Because like within the main story, but um 
but you can sort of, and again, maybe that's just a way of like, you know, you're an outlaw, but you're a good outlaw or a bad outlaw. Like, I don't know how you want to look at it, but, but, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. Shit, man. The game's fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go out and rob a stagecoach tomorrow, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, uh, from, a, like, a video game, and that, you know, I don't, I don't play that much anymore, but from a guy who, like, grew up, like, playing games and, like, appreciating them, it's a pretty, like, epic feat, man. Like, the world they created is pretty detailed pretty incredible um stories uh, uh, there's so much to the story i read somewhere where it's like about 80 hours of like game like if you just went through the story straight right and right, like right. just you do some of the, and do the side missions as well but like if you did those stories you had about 80 hours of gameplay and that's like outside of you just like wandering around this like epic map and like hunting and figuring out and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's pretty, uh, I mean, rock kudos to rockstar, man. Those guys, you know, took a long time, but they, they built a pretty, uh, they built an experience. I can say right, that. Right. Uh, what it means to the rest of the world. I don't know, Jordan. <laughs> um, but you know, I'd say check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. And is that like our first video game review on the? Uh, yeah. On the I think, I think so. I, I think. I think for, for me, even though I haven't, I, I barely played the the last Red Dead Redemption, but I knew a lot about. To be honest, I owned it and didn't play it that much, only because it was great, but it, it came at a time where like I kind of got caught up in other things and like didn't get to play it as much. Right. So now part of me is like good thing this one's like a prequel so even though like stuff comes up from that one from what i heard it right. obviously it all predates it so like you're not gonna really further that story which is like so i guess i can like go back and i don't know play i don't think i'll play it again but like you can i can read about what happened in that game <laughs> yeah right right i think um i don't know for me it was just interesting because there, there, there was part of me that was like, when I saw started seeing the ads, I was like, this is going to, th there's going to be some impact here. And not just because the last one was so well received, but right. I think we're living in an era when this is going to, you know, there's going to be a cultural touchstone that it's going to like, you know, basically, you know, hit, hit on, you know. I think you might be right, man. Yeah. <laughs> $725 million in yeah. three days. <laughs> I think proves that you might be right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's another one in the bag, right? Yeah, man. There we go. Uh, if you're out there playing Red Dead, enjoy. If you're out there being an outlaw, you stop it. <laughs> Just listen. Yes, to, yes. Listen obey, to the 8 a.m. shift. Obey you'll the law. <laughs> obey the law. Uh, <laughs> listen to the 8 a.m. shift where you'll get all your outlaw fixes and joneses <laughs> out because uh, like jordan said before we're kind of outlaws by just doing this podcast <laughs> anyway uh that was good yeah all right all shift right. is out shift is out
It's 8 a.m. Ha, 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 ha.